Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So a little bit of this morning is going to be somewhat, I guess, of a, a history lesson. So don't, don't snooze on me. Don't doze off. It's important information, and it's going to get us to where we're going. Um, but, you know, I preached recently on Jeremiah 29. If you remember that, I kind of, we kind of went through verse by verse of, in the first 13 verses of Jeremiah 29. And what was happening in Jeremiah 29 was the beginning of the, of the seven-year exile into Babylon. And so uh, that's when we see the destruction of the temple. There was so much happening right there that Jeremiah wrote about. Well, now we're picking up at the, cl- at the close of that 70 years. You see, Babylon came in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and took, all, and took the is- Israel into captivity into Babylon. And then Persia actually came in and defeated Babylon, but the, they were still in captivity. And so we're picking up at the end of this. And of these 70 years. And so we're going to read Haggai chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it says, In the seventh month of the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, Speak now to Jerusalem. <laughs> I did that this morning too. Um, Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And to all the remnant of the people who say, who was left among you, who saw the house in its former glory. How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes? Yet, now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 5, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake the nations of the treasures of all the nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I know that's just like, okay, what in the world is happening here? What is being said? And so that's where some of this background comes in to play to kind of open this up for us, is that Haggai, he appeared on the scene. It's Jerusalem. It's the year 520 B.C., and it was a critical time in the history of Jerusalem because approximately they've been in, in bondage for about 70 years. The city was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Uh, and and the, the, the inhabitants were in exile. And so King Cyrus, the king of Persia, began to release some of the remnants back to Israel so that they could worship God again. And Haggai was one of them. And so as they were coming back, of course, they were, you can imagine, I mean, if you were gone from your home that you really wanted to be at for 70 years, I think we'd be grateful to get back, right? I mean, wouldn't you be grateful? I mean, uh, you'd want to see your, your church restored. You'd want to see your city restored. And it started off with a bang. I mean, the, the, Israelite, the children of Israel coming home, it starts off with a bang. It starts off really well. But they entered, they faced uh, discouragement very quickly. 
As a matter of fact, they began to rebuild the temple. They began to rebuild some things, and they got so discouraged, they stopped. And so for 18 years, as, when they came back to Israel, they stopped uh, working on the temple, and, and uh, worship had stopped, and the restoration in the temple had stopped. And so then Haggai comes on the scene. And you pick up, because you can read about that in chapter 1, and he really brings a challenge and a charge. It's a really powerful chapter in Scripture, but he really brings a prophetic word, and that kind of shakes them up. And so they get re-energized again after 18 years and, and want to start rebuilding the temple. And they, so they're very responsive to Haggai's prophetic word. But then they got discouraged again just after really a month and began to... Uh, dial back again and, and stop their work. And so in Haggai chapter 2, it even gives us the specific date that this is happening. In Haggai 2, it tells us that it's October 17th, 520 B.C. And so this is less than a month after um, Haggai chapter 1 where they started that work again and began to get discouraged. I don't know how you respond to discouragement, but I know in my life and what I've seen many others is that when we, have, when we face discouragement, we tend to eventually get to the place of giving up. When stuff isn't really going the way we want it to go, we tend to give up. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about that when dreams come true, it's a tree of life, it brings life, but when those dreams don't come true, it's, it's a time of discouragement and being distraught. It's easy to slip into an attitude of spiritual depression, and I believe that's why God wants this word shared this morning. I really do. I believe it's a word of the Lord. I believe it's even a prophetic word for you today, and so the first thing is this number one is this is to realize that discouragement is debilitating discouragement is debilitating what happens to people when discouragement sets in they become debilitated they stop working energy goes the want to leaves you know you just you know it's those you know you just want to lay in bed and you know watch a whole season of something right you know on hulu or netflix or don't look at me like you're all holy like that i, I know Whatever, whatever your, your form of media is. And, and there's all kinds of reasons why we get discouraged. And when we look at this in, in uh, uh, Haggai chapter 2, there are some specific things happening that are causing that discouragement. And one of them is his naysayers. One of them is his naysayers. Anybody ever have a naysayer in your life? One of them is naysayers. And you can read about them. Let, let's look at it. It's kind of a long passage with... Um, some names that are uh, just crazy to pronounce. But I want to look at it. Ezra chapter 5. Ezra and Haggai are kind of, you know, they're contemporaries to one another. And so in Ezra chapter 5, we read about this discouragement from the naysayers. Uh, it says in Ezra chapter 5, Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Idu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem. In the name of the God of Israel who was over them, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, arose and began to rebuild the house of God. So that they're, they're beginning that work, that the house is beginning to start. And so he goes on to say that they begin to rebuild the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. They had some support. 
in verse 3, but it talks about a governor of this province of uh, Tatanai and Jethar Bozani and their associates came and spoke to them. Who gave you a decree to build the house and finish this structure? So they're, they're mounting up, they're energized, they're, they're rebuilding the temple, and then these naysayers come on the scene, and they're pretty much saying, who gave you permission to do that? Who do you think you are? Who, who says you can do that? And those, sometimes we hear those voices in our own head. That, yeah, thank you, Sammy. Sammy's with me. He said amen. And sometimes it's, it's influence around us is that you, you, you can't accomplish those dreams. You're taking, on, you, you're, you're taking a bigger bite than what you can chew. How, who do you think you are? Who, who said you could do that? Who, why do you think you can do that? And these naysayers surface. And I'm going to tell you exactly when the naysayers will surface. The first, the first place is that when you're right on track. When you're doing exactly what God has told you to do, and you're on the road that God has given you, that race that you're running, I'm going to tell you the naysayers are going to come out. I will never forget, it was years ago, and, and uh, matter of fact, I, I can't remember where we were living at the time, but we had gone back to uh, Amarillo uh, to a church for a, um, a, 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 a wedding, and um, and of course, we had a lot of influence and a lot of the students and young people that were in that church. And this was several years later. And we're at this wedding, and this, this young lady came in. She wasn't at the wedding, but she came into the reception. And I mean, the Lord just shifted my heart. I was like, that girl needs to get right with God. I didn't know where she was. I mean, I knew her when she was younger. And I told Angela, like, let's go talk to her. And so we went and sat down and started talking to her. She starts, boom. I mean, we're in the middle of the reception. She starts, like, I mean, ugly crying. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, like mascara's going, snot bubbles are going. I mean, boo, I mean, she's repenting. God's doing a work. And so we surround her. We're praying for her. We're loving on her. And somebody walks by the table. I'll, ne I'll never forget this because if, 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 uh, if it was okay to slap somebody, that would have been the time to do it. But we're praying for her, and this, this person walks by and says, well, I hope it sticks this time. Oh, just broke my naysayers. Whenever you get on the right path, somebody's going to tell you that you're not. Another time that the naysayers surface is when you don't need to hear it. I, you know what? I, when, when you are discouraged and you are exhausted, not only do you hear naysayers when you're doing it right, when you need to hear that word of encouragement, you're going to hear naysayers. See, I told you. I told you you'd fail. I told you you'd mess up. I told you you couldn't do that. Come on, somebody. I mean, you're going to hear, and whether it's somebody on the, a relationship on the outside or it's that voice you're hearing on the inside of the enemy trying to tell you to, to give up. And I'm going to tell you, when, that, when, you, when you're going to hear a naysayer is when you're about to win. You know, I, we caught the... Um, I, well, I really didn't, wasn't thinking about much about football yesterday, and, and, late, and last night I turned on the TV and saw Tech was playing, and, and saw Tech was actually fixing to win, and so I watched, the, I literally just watched the last, like, five seconds, and I really got to give it, I can't remember who, they, we're playing West Virginia, maybe, I can't remember who it was they were playing, but I really had to give it to them five seconds left, and they're still trying. I mean, I, I mean they, they were still going for the Hail Mary into the end zone, 
you know, so many times you're, you get to that place where you're fixing to cross the finish line, finish line to see a dream come to fruition, and right before you cross that tape, the enemy's going to try to throw something at you to trip you up. Do you hear me this morning? He's going to put those naysayers in your life, but what you need to remember about the naysayers and how to beat the naysayers is one is this, is you got to remember who sent you. You got to remember who hands rest on you. You have to remember the one who is with you always, even at the end of the age. You got to remember the one who has called you, anointed you, and equipped you to run that race, and the one that gives you the strength. You got to remember the mission that you're on. What has God called you to do? What is your purpose that God has called you to fulfill? Because I'm going to tell you, when you're on that mission that God has given you, there's a lot of times you're going to be looking with your physical eye, and you're not going to see it come to fruition. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to stay on mission to get through and get past the naysayers. And you've got to remember who you are in Christ. You are, a, you are a son and daughter of the most high living God. That's who you are. You are a child of God. And so you gotta, you got you to gotta fight through the naysayers. The naysayers will bring that discouragement. I'll tell you something else that will um, bring you discouragement. We see it in verse 3. He, he says in, in Haggai chapter 2 verse 3, Who is left among you who saw that? This house in its former glory. How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? And I mean, what's being asked here is does anybody remember what this house is? Does anybody remember what this house was like? And what was happening was is that what they were building was not really matching up to the former glory. And it didn't match in their eyes. It didn't add up. I want to talk about that more about that in just a moment. But Remembering a form, I'm going to tell you, it's important to remember the past. It's important to remember victories and losses where you came from. Now, we read in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14. I know some of you are familiar with this. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. But I want to tell you, you can focus too much on those victories in the past to keep your eyes on the present. As a matter of fact, if you focus on that too much, it will immobilize you of what God is trying to do in you now. I mean, I, can, I deal with that sometimes. I, when I look over life and the seasons of life, and one of my favorite seasons of life was when we did, and I talk about it often because I have an affection for it, but when we did Youth Alive, and man, I traveled the nation pretty much and, and did school assemblies and outreaches where we would see, we would literally see 25, 30, 40, sometimes 50% of a school accepting Christ and getting saved and and seeing God do amazing things and teachers and faculty and youth groups and uh, I, you know those memories pop up so often on my on my on my you know the memory thing on Facebook and one of them popped up recently I shared on I shared it on social media but I'll never forget I did a Fields of Faith in uh, in McCamey and um, there's about 200 people there maybe and, uh, and, and over 100 came forward to receive Christ. Uh, man, those are special moments. I remember I did a, a, uh, a Saw You at the Pole rally in Muleshoe and several different cities came together. There's about 350 
students that came that night and 300 came forward for salvation. I remember those with affection. Those are special moments. But I'm not living 10 years ago. I'm living now. And my focus can either be what God did then or what God can do now. So know that God is going somewhere with you. The road ahead of you is ahead. The race ahead of you is forward. Yes, gain strength and, and maybe renew some energy of the victories of the past, but keep marching and moving forward, forgetting what lies behind, straining to what's forward. Sometimes what discourages us is when reality doesn't meet up with expectations. I have, you know, I, when, when all this started in March, I was convinced, you know, I was going to lose, I, was, I, I said, you know, if I just lose 20 pounds, I'll be good. Just 20 pounds. And so, you know, when lockdown first started there in the March 1st of April, I mean, we were walking, you know, and every, every evening, and, you know, trying to change diet, and it wasn't, it wasn't any matter of time, and I lost 15 pounds, and I was so proud of myself, and then, you know, quarantine just kept going on, and this has kept lingered, you know, and now I have to lose 25 to lose my 20, or get back where I was, or maybe 30, I don't know, <laughs> you, know it, you know, reality of where we are sometimes, it, uh, it doesn't meet the expectations, I, what, does he, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but you know, sometimes I get bored and, and uh, things, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just search things on the internet, and so one day I did this, I searched about, you know, where expectation doesn't meet reality, and I, I, down, I, I saved some of those pictures, and so maybe this will hit, you know, when you see the, the berg, you know, you ever see how they really do that, it's, I mean, they're using glue and fake stuff you ever seen the video on that it's crazy how they ever but then you get the real thing and it's, that's an in and out burger by the way just so you know that's not a water burger hey, yeah i'm preaching now this one made me laugh you ever want to <laughs> i saw that one i just started laughing i really did because you know i mean you know you wanted to like reproduce a picture you know you see something you know online you're like oh we can do that and it doesn't turn turn out the way that the original Okay, you must be pro, but then there's this one too, you know. I mean, that's self-explanatory, right? I mean, <laughs> sometimes reality is, doesn't meet expectation, and when we look at this, what is happening is they, what, what discouraged them is Ezekiel had a description. I know I'm kind of, we're kind of looking at some, some really deep Old Testament scriptures here, Haggai and, and, and Ezra, and, and now Ezekiel, another prophet, but in, in Ezekiel chapter 40 through 48, Ezekiel writes about the future temple and the glory and what it's going to be like. But see, what, and, and so when they're, they start on this temple, it's not matching up with what Ezekiel had written about. But you got to remember something very important. It's not always about what you see. God sometimes is doing a deeper work. And it was, it was never really about the temple that was going to be on a foundation on some concrete or stone in, in the physical sense. But it was talking about, the, it was as a prophetic word about something else. And that was the coming of a Messiah, 
of a, of a Jesus that was going to be the temple that was going to be destroyed but rebuilt again. Come on, somebody, in three days. It was talking about something so much greater. So be careful. I mean, a powerful promise in Zechariah chapter 4.10 is don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise those small starts. I mean, you read about any you know, mega computer company now, man, it seems like all of them were started in the garage or basement of, of uh, you know, the, the parents' house or whatever, Microsoft and Apple and all of those things. And do not despise small beginnings. And something else that discourages us sometimes is to realize that nothing good comes easy. Nothing good comes easy. If it is in a time of famine and it, it rains, like if you have an apple tree or an orange tree or a peach tree or something and, and there's no fruit and it's, you know, it, famine in the land and then it rains, you know, and it rains on Monday, you're not going to go on Tuesday and find some apples and peaches and oranges. It's going to take time sometimes. Nothing easy Nothing good comes easy. And if I could just, I, I, maybe this will encourage you, but just to remind you that, you know what? All Noah had was a promise and a boat. All Moses had was a stutter and a stick. All that, Zachari all that Zacchaeus had was a tree and a curiosity. Come on, do you hear me? All David had was a sling and some rocks. So don't, don't think it all just always comes easy and, and, and realize that God's doing something even though what it looks like is, is entirely something else. All Egypt has was, was a man that was a forsaken brother and a convict in Joseph. All, do you, do you hear me this morning? All, all that Jesus had was a, a cross and a tomb and it changed the history of the world. All that John and Peter had. Matter of fact, they said, I've got nothing, but what I give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk at the gate called beautiful. Nothing ever comes easy, but it's worth pressing in. It's worth stepping out in faith. It ain't easy. It ain't free. It's not going to come without a fight. And as flawed as we are, if we remain faithful to God, he's going to use you to do something big. He is not looking for extraordinary people, but ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's where we sell ourselves short so many times. Who, who, who am I? You are God's child that he has called and anointed and equipped. That's who you are. That's who you are. So discouragement can be debilitating. But there is an empowering effect because of encouragement. And I want to talk about the encouragement of this passage just for a few quick moments. But we see in Haggai chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, and I want to read those again. It says this, Yet now be strong. Everyone say, be strong. O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, be strong. Say, be strong again. Oh, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, aren't you glad I'm not asking you to repeat the names? Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. Everybody say work. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Verse 5. 
according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. And so the first thing we see there, he says these encouraging words, be strong. And you're like, okay, how is that encouraged? Okay, I don't feel strong. I, I don't seem, what, how, is, how do we receive that as encouragement? Well, it reminds me of a verse you probably know. We read, we talked about Philippians 3 just a moment ago, and I want to move, talk just a moment about Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 3. I want to talk about Philippians chapter 4 now. And you're going to remember this verse too. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Everybody say every circumstance. That's the key. I've learned the secret. Don't you want to know the secret? Of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's the key, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, matter of fact, if you read Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, it says that this strength cannot come from flesh. And so how, how do we receive be strong as encouragement? It, here's how we have to look at it and receive it. You may be in the middle of the hardest time of your life, and you're strong, even if you don't feel like it, you can be strong. You know why? Because he's strong. Because we can do all things through him who gives us strength. And so you can be in the middle of the darkness, but you can face it. Why? You can be strong. Why? Because he's strong. You may be going through one of the most heartbroken moments in your life, but you can be strong. Why can you be strong? Because the strength comes from him. Do you hear me this morning? You can't receive that as encouragement. Yeah, you may not feel like it, but it's in our weakness that his strength is perfected. And then he says, I had you repeat it, work. How is that encouragement? Work. Be strong. Work. I'll tell you why. Because when we get discouraged, we focus on us. Right? When we get discouraged and we get beat down, it's my struggle's this, my struggle's that, my, I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I... But when you start to work, you see, they were looking at the temple, and they were discouraged. They were like, this doesn't look like what Ezekiel said it was going to look like. And Haggai is saying, it may not, but it's not about what you're seeing with your physical eyes. That's what's going on in your spiritual heart. Work. Work. Do something. Do something for your church. Do something for somebody else. Do something for a stranger. If you are down and discouraged and beaten down, then do something. Right? Sometimes you just have to get up and do something. And then he says this, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, you got to understand what this statement means. This is a unassailable truth what does that mean that means when God says for I am with you that that is a truth that cannot be attacked that cannot be questioned that cannot be undermined that cannot be defeated that cannot be usurped 
it is a true it is a solid foundational truth that no matter what circumstance that you're in and no matter what you're facing no matter if it's financially or relationally or physically or whatever it is God is with you he said that he would never leave us nor forsake us he said that he's with us always even to the end of the age you are not facing this by yourself God is with you and then he says this I love this one he says my spirit remains among you and of course that's Old Testament lingo let's look at the New Testament language John chapter 14 verses 16 through 18 and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but it says this you know him for he dwells with you and where in you the spirit of god dwells within you and he says i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you his spirit fills us do you know why he fills us with the holy spirit so you can't get away from his spirit right I mean, I learned during quarantine, I can tune a lot out. I'll turn on my Hulu. And then, you know, next thing I know, Angela's yelling at me. I didn't know she does that, but she yells sometimes. Because she thinks I hear her. She's like, you don't even hear me. It's like, no, I've, I've learned. You know, spouses quit laughing. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit's place on the side of us, you can't ignore that voice because when you're living for God that's the voice that leads you guides you right guides you into all truth when you ain't living right it's the voice that makes you miserable he'll be with us and in us my spirit is among you and then he says this do not fear and I maybe I know through this whole season we've heard a lot of messages and, and about fear but just to remind you one more time is that if God is for you, I said, if God is for you, who can be against you? When the enemy comes in out of the flood, what does God do? He raises the standard. So whatever the circumstance may look like, do not fear. He says, be strong. I'm with you. My Holy Spirit has empowered you. You have not been given a spirit of peer, a fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And it, I want to close with this. And point number three, I put it this way, the positive power of a promise. When you read, I'm not going to go back and read it, but when you read, hey, yeah, in chapter two, when you look in that verses four and five and and six, you're going to see something very repetitive in that scripture. We heard it. I don't know if you caught it or saw it. But he says over and over and over again, and I will, and I will, and I will, and I will. And that really, those, when he says I will, that just really jumped out at me. Because, you see, God has given us a book, a Bible scriptures full of promises where he says i will i will bind up the brokenhearted 
he said it, he'll do it. Many have been your afflictions, but I will deliver you from them all. Do you know the Bible says that in the Psalms? He says, many have been your sicknesses, your, your afflictions, but I will deliver you from them all. I will. If he said he will do it, he will do it. I know in our eyesight, in our time frame, in the way we mentally process things, sometimes we wonder if he will ever. But church, if he said it, he'll do it. If he said, I will, he will. And I'm going to tell you what I believe, even the season that we're in of, of COVID and, and, all, and all the, uh, this, the it seems like the, our, our country being torn apart at its core and, and politics. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I don't think it's going to be much easier than what it is right now. I think, matter of fact, it's going to get even more difficult. But here's what I know. The greatest days are ahead. Why do I believe that? Because he said he's going to pour out his spirit upon his church and it's going to rise up, it's going to prophesy, it's going to be dream, it's going to dream dreams. I mean, something is going to happen because of his church. He said he was going to do it. And you know what? We are a part of that. That's us. That he says I'm going to use you. I'm going to raise you up. And matter of fact, when you look at Haggai chapter 2, he wraps it up for just saying just that. Matter of fact, in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 23, he, it's so interesting to me what he says right here. He says, on the day declares the Lord of hosts, I will, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shiltel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. I have chosen you, declare the Lord of hosts. Now, what's the significance of that? Is that it was Zerubbabel's forefathers that were kings. And matter of fact, Zerubbabel is the grandson of King Jehoiakim. And he was the king in Judah when Babylon came in and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took them all captive. And when they did that, the king of Babylon removed his signet ring from him. And the scripture actually tells us, you can read it in Jeremiah chapter 24, is that when that signet ring, that was a symbol of that God was using, that uh, this, the signet ring being removed, that God was removing his signet ring from the people of Israel, but then God brings restoration, and he says, Zerubbabel, I've chosen you to be the signet ring. He didn't say, I was giving you one. He says, that's who you are. That's who, and when God restores something, you know what? He goes over the top. He does. I, you need to remember that when you live here this morning, is that God does it more than what we could ever imagine, but God's calls Zerubbabel the signet ring and he said as a matter of fact God says this this time it will not be removed I mean when I'm thinking about this it's reminding me of some of what I'm reading about in Haggai chapter 2 and and even so many things I've said in this is that I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you I have chosen you I'm going to use you do you hear me this morning I'm going to tell you God 
has chosen you for the work that lays, is laid out ahead of you. If you are, everybody go like this, all right? This is, we're not doing anything like Eastern mysticism weird. We're all, we're all going to take a deep breath together, okay? Are you ready? We're, gonna, we're all, at the count of three, we're going to take a deep breath. You ready? One, two, three, everybody. Now let it out. Did everybody do it? Did, did you, if you just did that, you're alive. Right? If you just did that, that means you're above the ground. That means God's still got a purpose for you. That means right now, it may all not look like add up or what you think it should look at or add up, but God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He has not been taken by surprise. And he's going to use all of this to fill his house and fill you with his glory once again. I believe it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.